This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stuart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Awesome. We're in Colossians chapter 3 today. We're going to start in chapter 1 and work our way there. But uh, welcome for those of you, this is your first time to either uh, Stuart Heights Sunday School or our class. Uh, we're glad you're here. Whether you are... Seven or 77, we are glad you're here, or anywhere in between. So we'll start in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to read Colossians 1 1 all the way through uh, 3.11, and then we'll get to today's text, verses 12 through 17. So Colossians 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it also in the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth, as you learned also from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of His body, which is the church, of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to His working, which works in me mightily. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding." 
to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see the good order, your good order, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. In Him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through the faith and the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed the principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head, from which, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men? These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Beware of these things. The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you've put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And we come to today's text. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. Amen? 
Amen. All right. So the first two chapters in Colossians are a whole lot of doctrine. It's a whole lot of teaching. It says, this is true, this is true, this is true, this is true. Chapters 3 and 4 switch. There's a transition. And we start to see what it looks like when you put all of these truths into practice. So your first couple blanks. Chapters 3, uh, Colossians 3 and 4 is what it looks like when Christians wear the truth found in Colossians 1 and 2. Because when right and true theology is in the mind and the heart, actions tend to be right in the hands and the feet. Now, as we go through today's text, today's text is extraordinarily difficult to do. I, I will be honest with you. Today's text is probably the hardest text in the entire, possibly next week's text, that for me, the, the, the hardest text in all of the book of Colossians is this week's text. And I struggled and I struggled and I struggled and I struggled with this until I read a couple commentators this week that talked about why this text is so hard. This text is really hard if we ignore last week's text. Because last week's text was about put off. We put off the old man. We put off these old actions. We put off these old things. And if I don't take the time to put off, then putting on the new man doesn't fit. Does this make sense? All right, so how many of you, how many guys have ever been fitted for a suit? Been fitted for a suit? Yep. When you were fitted for a suit, were you wearing a suit at that moment that you were putting the new suit on top of? No, that would make no sense whatsoever, right? And this is why the new man doesn't fit sometimes, because we're trying to force fit it on top of the old man, and the put off has to occur. So if you find today's text, here's your next blank, so we cannot put on the new man until we have put off the old man. And so if today's text sounds hard to do, it might be because we haven't done what Colossians 3, 8, 9, 10, and 11 says to do. So just keep that in your mind as we go through today. All right, so Colossians 3. So you may want, I don't know that I put it on your handout anywhere, but put in your notes somewhere Ephesians 4 and 5, just kind of in the margin, because there's a very, very similar text to today's text in Ephesians 4 and 5. He kind of, he stretches it out. Ephesians has six chapters, Colossians has four, so Paul's got a little more time to talk in Ephesians, but he stretches these concepts out a little bit more, but it's a good parallel passage to study. All right, so verse 12. Therefore, as the elect. Does anybody have a different translation in your Bible than elect? Chosen. Anybody else? Elect, chosen. What does that mean? This word makes some people nervous, right? Jim, we're going to talk about election? Not really. Do I have a problem with election? No, I like being elected. <laughs> being elected is good, right? Has anybody ever been elected uh, to a, like a, uh, an office in high school or middle school? You're like treasurer or vice president or Amy, what were you? Treasure. Treasure. Excellent. Good job. Treasure, what were you? Treasure. So we got a lot of treasures. Carrie, what were you? You were what? President. President. Vote for Carrie, right? Vote for Carrie. Did you make the little signs? Did the cheerleaders help you? No, they didn't help you? Okay. You didn't campaign. She won the class presidency and you didn't even campaign? Wow. Wow, somebody was popular in high school. That's all I'm saying. So for those of you that don't know, Justin and Carrie Harness are back in the class, and we're excited for that. They did their tour, in not, I mean the uh, three-year-olds, so uh, we're glad to see them back. So therefore, the elect, God chose us. Now, we sometimes present the gospel as if, here's Jesus, he's awesome, he's awesome, he's awesome, pick him, pick him, pick him. And, and then we 
convince a sinner that they should pick Jesus and they give their heart and life to Christ and we almost feel like we were driving the relationship. And, and the reality is the only reason that we're able to choose him is because he chose us first. So let's, let's make sure we get the order right. I have no problem with election whatsoever. Election just says God picked us. Yay, that's fantastic. This is good news for the believer. So therefore, as the elect of God, he's talking to the Colossians, holy, this word just means set aside for a specific purpose, and beloved, this is the word agape. They're holy, they're set apart. Now, these three words, elect, holy, and beloved, are used all throughout the Old Testament. And they're used throughout the Old Testament to describe God's chosen people. Who's God's chosen people? Who? Israel, right? Yeah, the Jews. Who's God's chosen people now? His children. His children. Because these three words are now written to New Testament believers. See, Paul takes these three... This is a quote from uh, Barclay. Paul takes these three precious words which had once been possession of Israel and gives them to the Gentiles. We get to participate. We are grafted in. We're part of the family. And I say hallelujah to that because... If I'm not grafted in, if I'm not part of the family, that means I'm on the outside. And I don't want to be on the outside with Jesus. So, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on. So, put on. Now, this is the same word used in Colossians 3.10. And we talked about last week about having, uh, having putting on these clothes, right? So, so, here's my question for you. How often do you put clothes on? Thank you. Okay, I was going to say, it depends on how old you are, right? So let's think this through. This is actually a really good analogy. And, and I love that Paul uses the clothes analogy here. So adults typically put clothes on how often a day? Once a day. When? In the morning. Why? Because, yes, we'd like to keep our jobs, right? Yes. Okay, good. Children, however, need to change clothes more often. Why? Because they don't do laundry. <laughs> That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> That's just true. Because they roll around in the floor, right? They're chasing that lollipop that's in the back seat that's rolling all around the car, right? They're like, ugh. And then they rub it on themselves. And they stick it behind their ear. He's like, oh, this is wonderful. Let's go jump in the mud puddles. Or they're a baby and they spit up. Or they're a baby and they spit up and they need help changing clothes, right? Yes. So what do you think the blank is here in your notes? Every morning, yes, every single morning. This suggests that we should do this every single morning. Miss Mary Lou, you asked me for a list of commentators that I liked Wednesday night. I did not mention Ray Stedman. Circle that man's name in that note, if you would. He is quickly becoming one of my favorites. He actually died several years ago. Um, but uh, he's quickly becoming one of my favorites. All right, so put on. What do we put on? Tender mercies. Do you see the, the word in brackets after tender? Like, Jim, I'm having breakfast. I know. <laughs> but we're going to look at what the Greek says. And the Greek says tender actually means bowels because you feel emotions in your gut, right? I feel like, you ever heard somebody say, I feel like I've been punched in the gut? Yeah, it's because that's where you feel things. So we feel compassion. We feel uh, tenderness in our gut. So put on. Bow-like mercies. Yeah, there we go. Uh, kindness. So what is kindness? Well, th this same word for kindness is what the word that Jesus uses in Matthew 11.30 when he says, my yoke is easy 
That word for kindness is in that sentence. My yoke is easy. So my yoke is easy. Which one of those four words do you think is kindness? Easy. Easy. It is the idea that I am not being oppressive. I'm not laying more on you than I should. It's I'm going to give you something that is reasonable. I'm going to give you something that is kind. The second thing he lists here is humility. And this is just modesty of mind or humbleness of mind. Uh, Stedman calls this the exact opposite of pride. He, he lists it as the chief of the Christian virtues, which I think may be an interesting way to look at it because if you, if you think way, way, way back to Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned, what was their first sin? It's pride, right? I know better than what my God has said. And humility says, I don't know better. Humility puts myself low and puts God high. So, so we've got tender mercies, kindness, humility, and then meekness. So this strength under control. Uh, this is the opposite of rudeness. Uh, and then long-suffering. All right, so we're going to teach you a word today. I'm, I'm going to bet a nickel. I'm actually going to gamble in Sunday school. All right, Josh, you're going to hold the money, okay? Anybody want to bet me a nickel today? I'm going to bet a nickel that nobody knows this word that goes in this blank. There's a nickel. Anybody want to bet? Anybody got a really good vocabulary? What's that? I hadn't used this word before. I don't think so. I just wadded up all my notes that I've got to give announcements with. That's not good. You going to put your money on Lori? You put your nickel up here. Cash. Albert's got a great quote on that, so yeah. <laughs> I never bet more than a nickel. The reason I don't bet more than a nickel is because I would bet more than a nickel. <laughs> and I like to have a home. <laughs> yeah. All right, Lori. Longnanimity. Ah, I got it. Cool. Longnanimity. L O N G. Here's your blank. L O N G A N. I-M-I-T-Y. Longanimity. What's that? I'll spell it again. L-O-N-G-A-N-I-M-I-T-Y. Here's why I love this word. It's a disposition. Thank you. A disposition to what? To bear injuries patiently. So this is not just bearing injuries patiently. This is a disposition for that. This is saying I am leaning toward being abused for the sake of someone else. Now, this is not, so I want to make sure I'm very clear on what I'm not saying. I am not saying if you are in an abusive marital relationship or familial relationship that you're supposed to put up with that. You get out. We will help. You have brothers and sisters that will help you. Everybody understand that. Nod your heads that you understand that. You understand that? Excellent. What I am saying is that for the sake of the gospel, to spread the gospel, I will subject myself and my body to something that is not pleasant, and I will have a disposition towards that. Because most of the time, what I want is a disposition towards the easiest, lightest, simplest possible scenario. We in America pray for no persecution. People in other parts of the world pray for strong backs to endure persecution. Whole different model. Whole different model. So long-suffering is... Uh, endurance. It is forbearance. It is patience. Um, in the Old Testament, this was a, it, it literally meant a large nose. 
It did, in a large nose. The horse's nose was very large. When the horse, you ever been around a horse and a horse gets angry? You know because its nostrils flare and it gets really big. And a horse has a very long nose and a large capacity for holding in anger, is what the nose was, before outbursts actually occur. So long-suffering means big-nosed. You never know. Long-suffering, verse 13, bearing with or holding up or enduring with. Um, this is bearing with, uh, Jameson Fawcett Brown calls this, as to present offenses. So these are things that are going on right now. So these are the right now problems. The bearing with one another and forgiving one another. So I can't forgive what happens in the future. I can only forgive what happens in the past. So these are as to the past offenses. So we've got bearing with is stuff that's going on right now. Forgiveness is stuff that's happened in the past. So bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint or a quarrel or a fault or a blame, any of those words, against one another, even as Christ forgave you. So you must also do. And this is the hard part of the lesson. This is really, remember, this is part of the new man. So the old man's been put off. The old man has all these sinful actions and sinful desires and sinful behaviors. The new man is, as Christ has forgiven you, so must you also do. So how did Christ forgive us? Let's talk about this for a sec. How did Christ forgive us? Completely, right? Well, that's helpful. Yeah. How else did he forgive us? before we offended. What else? How else did he, he forgive us? Did he charge us for it? Like that's a nickel every time. Got to go put that in the bank account. Is there, is there a charge for that? No. Does he bring it up? No. Here's your blank. Forever. Forever. And this is the part that's just stunning to me, right? Unbelievable. Stedman's got a long quote here that I was, I don't think I put it in your notes. Uh, I was reading this to my family last night, and I'll read you just part of it. It's helped to remember that forgiveness means at least three things. First, it means that we're not to bring up to the person whom we've forgiven the thing we forgave. We're to treat him as though it didn't happen. We're not to constantly harass him or her with reminders of the evil thing they did in the past. Some marriages stumble greatly at this point because the partners not only get hysterical, they get historical. I thought that was pretty good. They go back over. I can't let Gary know that. That'll be a sermon title one day. So we're not going to share that with him. Go, they go back over the past, ready to trot it out and rehash it once more. It shows that it has never truly been forgiven in the first place. God does not do that. How terrible it would be if he did, if we had constantly to face reminders from him of the awful things of our past. Can you imagine? If God were just constantly, yep, yeah, you remember that? You remember that? You remember that? Well, I stopped right there in reading the quote last night. And Caleb, my 11-year-old, pipes up and he says, the devil does that. <laughs> yes, actually, that's, that's exactly what the devil does. The devil is the accuser of the brethren, is the one that brings up the things that Christ has forgiven or in the past. We don't go there anymore. And the devil brings these things up. So, so how, do we, how do we forgive? So we almost also do as Christ forgave. So verse 14, but above all these. So this is... Uh, if you think about clothing, so we're thinking about clothing. So we put off the old man, we've put on the new man. So if I say above all these, now we're talking about the outermost garment. Okay, it could either be a garment, and what the, the visual Paul describes here is actually a belt. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. This bond, it, it holds everything together. And this is agape love. 
and it puts on the bond of perfection. Now, read you a quote from Barnes here. He says, Love will bind all the other graces fast together and render the whole system complete. Without love, though there might be other graces and virtues, there would be a want of harmony and compactness in our Christian graces, and this was necessary to unite and complete the whole. N.T. Wright, here's his quote, here's your blank. The other virtues pursued without love become distorted and unbalanced. So, have you ever had a set of clothes that desperately needed a belt to kind of hold it all together? Anybody? Yep. Because sometimes there are things that get distorted and imbalanced without a belt to kind of keep everything together. And this is what love does. Love cinches it all up and it makes it complete. It makes it so that you can move around freely without worrying that something's going to go where it shouldn't go. Wardrobe is malfunction, right? Um, So I've got in my notes here, think girdle. It's almost like a, it it just kind of holds, it holds everything where it's supposed to go. Spurgeon's quote on this is that these are the sacred vestments of your daily priesthood. Put them on. I like that. Because if you read back in the Old Testament, and it talks about, there's like verse after verse after verse after verse that describes the material that the priest's garment's made out of and where the stones go and how they make it and like how often they wash it and who, who gets to wear it and what days. And I'm just like, whew, that's a lot. You know, I thought laundry now was complicated. And it's, it's ridiculously complicated. But now it's put off the old man, put on the new man, make sure the outer garment is wrapped in love. So verse 15, that... That, I'm sorry, verse 15, and let the peace of God, what's that next word? Rule. Anybody have a different word in your translation? Have a different word? Everybody's got rule? Say it again. Control. That's good. I like that. Anybody else? Well, I skipped over something. This word let is actually an imperative. And we don't think about let being an imperative. We think about let being, you do it if you want to do it. It's, it's a command here. So it's a command. Let the, God, let, the, uh, let the peace of God rule in your heart. So this word for rule is to arbitrate or to govern. It literally means, here's your blank, umpire. Umpire. Now this was used as a, uh, the Greek word is brebaeus. And it was the person who was in charge of the Olympic Games. When they, had, when they had games come together, this was the person whose job it was to decide if there was some dispute. Right? Who won? Who came in first, second, third, whatever? The Brebaeus came in and stepped in and said, this is, the right, this is the right call. Today, in sports, these people wear black and white stripes, and we put them on the field, and we give them a whistle or some type of authority, and they have authority to speak into a contested environment and declare what truth is. Now, in context here, it says, let the peace of God rule in, what's the next word? Your hearts, plural. Your hearts. This is not a, oh, I have peace about that, so that must mean this is God's will for me. Fingernails on a chalkboard, okay? If you want to know what God's will is for you, read the Bible. Don't trust your heart. Your heart is evil. Your heart is wicked. My heart is awful. Don't ever let your heart guide you. That is not what is supposed to guide us. Okay? If we let the Scripture guide us, the Scripture will direct us that our heart is awful. 
And then we would go, I would never trust my heart. How about I trust Jesus? Much better trust, okay? So, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in how many bodies? One body. There is one body of believers. Now, Wright's got an interesting take on this. He says, peace here is not the inward individual peace of mind, which accompanies a humble, confident trust in God's love, but a peace which characterizes the community, the body as a whole. So this is not a, let the peace of God rule for my peace. This is let the peace of God rule for our peace, for the community's peace, for the body's peace. So that we have peace together, not so that I am comfortable and everything's harmonious for me. I don't no, that's a that's a selfish, inward-looking view of Christianity. The body should be at peace. Continuing on in verse 15, and be thankful, or it's really keep on becoming thankful. Verse 16 again, let another imperative command. Let the word, the logos of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, all right. I can't do this without referencing the Matrix. So, Morpheus's ship. What was Morpheus's ship's name? The Nebuchadnezzar. Were there any other ships that were named? Yes. What was the name of the ship? The Logos. The Logos was a ship. And that ship was searching out for truth. It's a little Bible in the middle of the Matrix. It's all over the place. Okay? It's all over the place. So let the word, the logos of Christ, dwell in you richly. It's literally to be at home. That's your blank. To be at home. Now, when you invite somebody over to your home, what are they allowed to do? (laughs) I was like, I'm going to have to let Darla answer first. So what's your answer, Darla? Do not come to my home. Do not come to Darla's home, yes. So Darla has as much hospitality. Yes. Darla has as much hospitality as Daryl does mercy. Okay, which is a negative number on the Richter scale. All right, it is just it does it's not there. Uh, she actually does it well. I, I've done this before to Darla, and through gritted teeth she will say, "Leave," because she's trying not to say mean words to me. Right now, so let the word of Christ dwell in you richly to be at home. Some people are really, really good at making you feel at home. Right? I mean, you walk into their homes and you go, "Wow." This is, I mean, it, it looks fine, but I, I, this is very comfortable. I appreciate the, the hospitality and the welcome. You, you know these people? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes? Is anybody one of those people that you just love having people over? Yes, I will agree with that. Doug, so this is the, this is the interesting thing about Doug and Darla. D- D- Doug is a, an incredibly hospitable person. Uh, and I've actually been over to Doug and Darla's house where Doug will sit in the room with me and Darla will leave. Uh, I don't think you left the house. You left the room. That's your sign that I'm supposed to go, yes. And she didn't, she didn't share that piece of news with me until like a year later. And then I was rehashing in my head, and I thought, oh, oh, oh. I was supposed to go, and I didn't, but okay. So to be at home. So here's the question for you. Is the Word of Christ... So what is the Word of Christ? What is the Word of Christ? The Bible. The Logos. Yes, the Word. Let this be at home in our hearts. Is this at home in us? Is it at home in us? I'm going to leave that as an open-ended question. Richly, so not just 
dwelling, but in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So teaching is explaining or expounding. Uh, admonishing is warning. It's cautioning one another in Psalms. So these are the, you know, there's a book in the Bible called Psalms. That's what that word means. It means the Psalms. And hymns, and these are just uh, praises to God. And sacred and, and uh, spiritual songs. And these are like the human spirit songs. So there's some story involved in these. And uh, Robertson talks about uh, the same song can have all three words applied to it. So it's not a, each song has to be in its own individual category. Don't get really technical here. They, they can have a lot of different titles. Singing with grace in your hearts. To who? To the Lord. Absolutely. And whatever you do in word, in logos, or in deed, or in action, do all in the name of who? Of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I get people asking me all the time, well, is this a right thing for a Christian to do, or is that a right thing for a Christian to do? Here's a great answer for you. People's New Testament. If doubtful, see if you can on your knees ask Christ to go with you and bless you in what you are about to undertake. Can I do this thing in Jesus' name? Can I ask for His help? Can I thank Him once it is done? Well, that, that will filter out a lot of stuff. <laughs> that will make that decision a whole lot easier. And I never thought about looking at uh, Colossians 3.17 as a filter before here, but it's, it's a really neat thing. So uh, here's an extended quote from Bruce. The New Testament does not contain a detailed code of rules for the Christian. As Paul explains elsewhere... Uh, these are suited to the period of immaturity, these Old Testament rules, when he and his readers were still under guardians, the, the law. The son who has come to years of responsibility knows his father's will without having to be provided with a long list of do's and don'ts. What the New Testament does provide is those basic principles of Christian living, which may be applied to all the situations where they arise. And that, that's what we're looking for here. We're looking for not, you know, don't eat the split-hoofed animal on this day of the week. We're looking for, can you do it in Jesus' name? Okay. There's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of liberty. There's a lot of life in that. It is very, very encouraging. All right, so what's the point? Great. Number one, order matters. Order. So all you OCD folks, say it with me. Order matters. Yes. All right. Because I cannot put on. I can put on before I put off, but it won't fit and it won't work. And it looks really kludgy. <laughs> it really, really does, okay? Order matters. So what do I do? We'll put off first, then put on every single day. Number two, what is the point? Love binds us and completes us. Uh, sorry, Jerry Maguire. Um, love binds us and completes us. So what do I do? Number two, cover everything in love. Make sure that love has got it covered because love can cover it. What's the point? Number three, in the name of the Lord Jesus can be a filter we can screen our lives through that phrase to see, should we do this, should we not do this? So what do I do with that? We'll filter my life through Jesus' name. It's a much more exciting existence that way. So that was Sunday school. This is week 13 of what will probably be about 20 in Colossians. If this is your first time here, again, thank you for coming. I invite you to come back. We do this every week. Two, there's a piece of paper in the middle of the table. It's the weekly update. So make sure that you've got your name at the bottom of that. Everybody's name, whether you're 7 or 77, goes at the bottom of that page. Share your prayer requests. 
For those of you that are members of our class, I'm going to be sending out an email this afternoon for meal sign-ups for the Ericsons. We're excited to see them. Thank <laughs> you.